Good morning, world. This is Blake. I'm with Ryan. What's up, Ryan? Hey. This is the weekly anchor brought to you by Voyage Capital Partners. And we're here to talk about this week in the economy and whatever else comes to our mind. How's your morning going? Uh, so far, so good. It's still early, though, so a lot can happen. A lot can happen. Know. All right, let me get our disclaimers out of the way, and we'll see where it takes us today. This is not investment, trading, tax, or legal advice. Consult your professional advisors in those areas. Don't listen to us. Voyage Capital Partners is not an investment company, broker, advisor in any way, or commercial lending broker, and that's it. We don't wish to be either. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. So I'll start us off and we'll see what happens. <laughs> this is on yeah. debanked. Uh, CEO of online lender arrested for PPP fraud. Woo! To the surprise of? Of no one. <laughs> Anybody? Bueller? Bueller? Zero Listen people to this. appears. The stones on this guy. Shang Wen Chang, a.k.a. Justin Chang, CEO of Celery Network. Cel- Celery, C-E-L-E-R-I. I don't know how that's pronounced. Was arrested Tuesday by the FBI. Celery offers business loans, merchant cash advances, SBA loans, and student loans. Wait a minute. What did we do wrong? <laughs> Listen to this. Chang applied for over $7 million in PPP funds. Federal agents allege. How the hell did he get that? Or how did he the- even pass a check? Like, on the basis that Celery Network and other companies he owns had 200 employees. Want to guess how many employees they actually had? Him. <laughs> 14. Oh. How did, see, but that, like, how did he get past? Don't you, I mean, didn't you have to send it? Well, not didn't you. We had to send in tax info. I have no idea. Maybe they falsified stuff. I don't, I don't I know. I guess. I mean, did you hear about the guy in Florida, too, that – Got a million dollars in loans and went and bought a Lamborghini. I did. Hold on. Listen to this guy's shopping cart. He succeeded. So he applied for $7 million. He succeeded yep. in obtaining $2.8. Uh, but rather than use them for intended lawful purposes, he bought a $40,000 Rolex watch, paid $80,000 toward a Mercedes Maybach, rented nice. a $17,000 a month condo apartment. Nice. fifty. <laughs> $50,000 worth of furniture, spent $37,000 shopping at Louis Vuitton, Chanel, Burberry, Gucci. $50,000 on furniture. I cannot even fathom spending that much on money on furniture. That just he also makes me with, throw up. He also withdrew $360,000 in cash and or cashier's checks and transferred $881,000 to accounts in Taiwan, UK, South Korea, and Singapore. That's the only thing he should have done with the money. <laughs> That's literally, if you have, yeah, I mean, if you have um, citizenship in one of those, yeah, in like another oh country gosh. that doesn't have extradition rights, just send the money to a bank account there and yeet out of the country. Uh, this, of course, is all according to the FBI. Statements made to Law 360 indicate that Chang maintains his innocence. Of course he does. Oh, that is just paid by beautiful. the paid for or his his uh, silence and innocence is contended or is stated by his lawyer that was paid for by the PPP money. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I thought. I was like, you yeah. probably bought a pretty good lawyer with some of that. Money. Probably <laughs> by a damn good lawyer. Mm. That's that insanity. is wonderful. 
That's going to be tough for him to weasel out of, though. He's claiming he had 200 employees and he's only got 14. Oh, yeah. I mean, he'll probably end up uh, – um, phrasing it like he will he will take a deal for giving back 25 percent of the money and then walk away scot-free i don't know i hope he ends up behind bars after that it'll be a white collar bar but listen this is the problem without getting too political too early with government programs they're always filled with mm-hmm. fraud because <laughs> they're sloppy and inefficient but we knew that would happen i just thought that was a funny story to get us started on i mean it was guaranteed someone was going to i mean and i will bet excuse me i will bet there is thousands of people oh man that got away with it for much smaller amounts we're just hearing the ones that tried to go big or go home yeah and lost but i'll bet there's thousands of people that took out you know maybe an extra two or three X on what they're, what they should have got, but it was only, you know, like 30, 40, 50,000. Yeah. Yeah, Um, for sure. So, I mean, we probably, hell, we could have probably done it with ease on Anna's and they wouldn't have even second guessed it. Wow. I'm not saying that I would or that I did. (laughs) I sent in legitimate paperwork. The government can audit me if they want. I sent in legitimate paperwork. I ain't scared. I'm just saying that knowing my way around how the government functions and how efficient it is, yeah. I would be willing to bet we could have yeah. slipped in, you know, an extra especially, 2X. Especially in crisis mode when they're just trying to get money out, you know? I mean... Wish they acted no. like that in August. <laughs> no, we ain't getting nothing this month, buddy. Nope. <laughs> nope. So, jobless claims took a notch back up above a million new claims, right? New claims were over a million? Uh, yeah, so just under 1.2. My bet going into next week is we see another increase. I'm not going to say how much. I don't think it's going to be a lot, but I don't think we're going to go down next week. I'm not sure. It's hard to predict at this point. I just know what we've been saying has been right on the money. And what what we've been saying is since since we started getting a downtrend in the claims, an uptrend in the economy, is that it was just going to be super sluggish and a lot of sloshy yo-yoing back and forth without any real recovery. You know, I Mm -hmm. think, you know, basically since, since the PPP funds kind of expired and we saw the claims kind of jump again you know but not back to the whatever the original whatever 20 or 30 million that we got up to but i just think it's going to be super just sluggish going forward you know i don't i don't expect any i don't expect any terrible data and i don't expect any good data i kind of think this is going to be the path for another at least six months yeah um um, I think we're going to continue to see the uh, trend of the uh, PPP money running out and the fact that we have not really opened up the economy in a way. Right. I mean, it's it's slightly opened up, but we are still, I mean, people are still 
not spending money yeah. as much as they were before to go out. Um, you know, I think we are in for a lot of hurt. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, you know, I've been kind of keeping an eye on like small business, uh, kind of small business, like bankruptcy numbers, delinquency numbers. I expect that to rise over. I think we'll probably have a year, six to 12 months at least. I mean, we'll be dealing with the, you know, the repercussions of this for years, but I think mm -hmm. de definitely the next six to 12 months, we're probably going to probably going to continue to see just a slow kind of bleed for the small business sector. You know, I, I just think, I think people will hold on as long as they can when it comes to their, you know, their business, obviously their small business is their baby. So I think, you know, you'll just kind of see a slow, unfortunately a slow, going out of business for a lot of small business as they, you know, go delinquent on loans and mortgages and are unable to get revenues back up to where yeah. they were pre pre crisis. And that it's a bummer, but that's just kind of the trend that I I'm thinking is going to happen. I hope not, yeah. but I don't see much evidence that proves otherwise. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, don't, I'm, I mean, again, I think it's going to be very interesting to see, especially if no more money goes out uh, and no more stimulus gets passed because no side seems really interested in getting a stimulus passed unless they get other small things that they want that people don't actually care about right now. Um. Yeah. And by that, I mean, like, you know, I don't feel that either side of the aisle is really that interested in sending out checks more so than they are at sending out um, uh, getting other things done that they want to get done while also sending out checks. Yeah. It was, uh, did you ever see or get a chance to uh, check, take a look at that, that uh, HBO documentary called Draining the Swamp? I sure didn't. Uh -uh. Um, it was really interesting. So it's not political in one way or the other in terms of they take a side um, by the end of it or anything like that. They actually follow uh, a Republican um, and for, for the most part. I mean, they follow pretty much everybody, but one of the main people that they follow is a Republican. And they were talking, or he was talking specifically, there was this bill um, that they voted on whenever they were filming. I think it was like, 2018 I, I think i saw the trailer to this now that you're talking yeah about it. it's it's so good dude it is so eye-opening and so good uh, but they so they so they were filming it during like 2018 i think it was and during the filming they voted on this really this like uh bill that basically the way they proposed it and how they what they claimed it was was it was a bill to raise the pay for uh for military people. So yeah. military people get a pay, uh, employees get a pay raise, but it was a 1400 page bill. I mean, what? And all they world? said was this bill is a military pay raise for, uh, or is a pay raise for military employees. And even the Republican was like, this is, this is why nothing can get done. Yeah. It's because Republicans 
propose these bills that are 1400 pages long that yeah. and it has it's so full of shit yeah that like is in it he's like i mean it was it was like hundreds of billions of dollars in can you, future can you military. remember if it was was thomas massey in that uh kentucky i let me see i'd have to see a picture let me trying see trying to remember if it's the How same you spell it Thomas Massey, M A S S I E. Oh, yeah, yeah, Thomas Massey. He's fantastic, yep. dude. He's yep. one of my I mean, he is he's a legit. Yep. Yeah. Um, it's and then the main Republican guy that they follow is from Florida. <clears throat> um, I forgot his name. But then like and the big reason they follow him too is cuz he actually has a little mini, I guess I don't I forgot what they call him, but like mini group in Congress with this other Democrat um, that he works with that, and they like work together on bills and whatnot. Um, and yeah, it was just, it was just like crazy. Like, uh, and, and he was, you know, he'd say like, this is every bill that comes across our table is like crap like this, where it's like, you know, Oh yeah, here's this one great thing. And then it's got like 1400 pages of all this other garbage. Yeah. So Special you look like an nonsense. asshole. Yeah, you look like an asshole if you don't vote for this because of this one sentence in this fourteen hundred page bill that they want to pass. So you're right. so you become obligated to vote for this whether or not you know you like what's in it or not. Yeah. Even though ninety nine percent of the time it's just a bunch of junk. Yep. Um, and it's 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 just insane. It was so yeah. scary. Um, and what's interesting, what I've what I've learned and i think i don't remember who i heard originally say it but i mean a lot of people have said it but uh, what they do in washington on both sides is when they have a bill that they want to push through they name it something very appealing patriot Mm -hmm. act (laughs) if you're if you don't vote for the patriot act you're not a patriot you know (laughs) the cares act because we care for you (laughs) and it's crazy and it's I just basically I've learned that whatever the bill says, I just assume it does the opposite. <laughs> you yep. know, if it, the freedom, whatever, if the, the freedom bill, okay, it's probably going to take away my individual freedoms. Like that's just my assumption based on the name. <laughs> like it is, yep. I just, uh, I learned that they name it the opposite uh, of what its general oh. uh, result is going to be. It's Matt Gates is the Don't Republican know that they follow. But I know Thomas Massey and that dude just stud. I'm a big fan. Yep. Um, he actually was a business owner before he decided to run for Congress. Hmm. He had started a business. I forgot what it was, but he decided to, he like sold his company and then he got bored. So he decided to run for uh, Congress or Senate or whatever, and then ended up winning. Yeah. Thomas Massey uh, got in some hot, water during when the care i think it was the cares act or one of the original trillion dollar packages they were trying to get through at the beginning of this because he i guess i don't know how uh, exactly how the procedure works but everybody wanted to you know vote from home and he was like no we're, this is a trillion dollar package we're voting from we're gonna, yeah. we're gonna vote in washington like he there was like an article put out that he was the most hated man in washington because he wanted to make Congress actually show up for work, you know, because <laughs> he wanted them to all die because they were going to catch coronavirus if they 
showed up, you know. Yeah, and he was saying something. I guess, yeah, they did, I feel like they did mention that, and he was actually, like, super worried that – because one of the things that he hates to do that every Republican has to do too, or every um, – uh, not Republican, but every uh, – Congress. Uh, yeah, every member of Congress is they obviously have to spend a ton of time calling people to get money, to get right. donations to keep their uh, – their position or whatnot. And he talked about how he pretty much hated that. And because he so rarely does it, he feels like he's not going to have a seat right. um, here pretty soon. And he was like, I don't give a shit if I don't get a seat. I, he's got a farm back in Kentucky. He'll go live on and he'll just spend the rest it. of his time there. You know, it's do. dude, you should definitely check it out. It's really good. If you have time. And it's only it like an hour, hour and a half. So you it's know, on it's HBO. Fairly, yep. It's on HBO. It's called draining the swamp. Um, and I mean, yep. it basically showed how, you know, Donald Trump said that and that was his pushing thing. But I mean, it's it's not going to happen. Like, no, until all of the old swamp got swampier old, over the past yeah. four years. Yeah. Uh, and until mm-hmm. all of the old Congress dies out, you know, because it seemed because like it gave me the impression that the younger generation getting into Congress now wants to make change once all of this is stopped. But it can't because of all the older people in power yeah. right now. So they basically have to leave and die off for change. And who was it? They said it all changed when, who was it? Someone in the 90s became Speaker of the House. Hmm. It was like just before Bill Clinton. It was a Republican. Interesting. I forgot who, is, who it was. Um, but he basically is what made it. So you have to, so people had to spend 90% of their, Newt Gingrich, that's who it okay. was. Apparently he made it, like set it up so people had to spend 90% of their time calling to get donations, which, or that's what they basically imply in this documentary. Um, so people had to spend so much time soliciting donations that they basically became beholden to these large right. donors. Um to so there, this is interesting. I, I'll uh, see. I want. I want to be hopeful too, but I'm not that hopeful um, because I think Congress is becoming nothing more than a show. Because yeah. so much, and this isn't just Trump. It goes Trump. It goes through Biden. It goes Bush. Like I mean, it's every. It's been every president, you know, for the past several that I've had any, you know studied at any depth at all is all these executive orders are becoming so common that Congress is losing its power and the president is gaining, you know, the office of the president is gaining far more influence because they can do so much through executive orders. I mean, George Bush sent us to war without Congress and that's a pretty big decision. And so that, that's what makes me pessimistic is I think, you know, as much as people in Congress might want to change stuff, they they're lose they're they're losing the legislative power that they were intended to have. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's been a slow kind of thing that's happened for a while. So you basically what you got left is you've got executive order that's doing a ton and you've got the judicial branch that's doing way more than they're intended to do. Mm-hmm. Um so I don't know. Nobody's super, stopping. Nope. <laughs> Um, because what's, I mean, it really boils down to it's instead of, instead of, instead of being like, Hey, we don't want the government to have a lot of power, which is, 
you know, how it was originally set up. Instead, it's like one side wants to have power over the other side. It's yep. like if we if we could just agree that we don't want the government to have power, everybody can have their own, you know, their own way of doing things, especially if we would cede authority back to the states, you know, then you can live in the state that is most appropriate with your lifestyle. Like that's a fantastic, the way that America was set up was 50 little labs, you know, and it was like, you had the laboratory of your state. And if you want to be in a more left state, you could go to that state and still be in the United States. Um, But instead you've got, you know, California wants to make Alabama live the way they live and Alabama wants to make California live the way they live, you know, and it's, it's silly. The, the cultures are so different. And if people would realize that you don't have to dominate people across the country with your way of living, that we could actually coexist and it's weird. (laughs) Yeah. But it's human nature. We want to like feel like we, it's, it's a sick part of human nature, but we want to control you know? Yep. And I, that's, it's funny cause we don't, it's, I wouldn't call them arguments, but on and I get into discussions a little bit about like, uh, the, uh, the electoral college, you know, and why you kind of need that. Yeah. yeah. Like why you need that versus just the popular vote. It's like, yeah, you know, I mean, you know, I, I can, I understand why people are saying, popular vote because it's like yeah it's supposed to be a democracy one person one vote yada 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 you know but it's like you know exactly what you just said you know you can't expect someone in georgia to want to have the will of california inflicted upon them right you know so that's what the point of the electoral college is is to you know kind of prevent to to balance the power of you know, of mindset from different areas across the country. Right. So that way one place that has, you know, millions and millions and millions of people that all think one way don't control the mindset of a place that has, right. you know, maybe a million people across the, I mean, I don't know if there's any state that only has like a million people yeah. in the population, but you know, um, yep. yeah, you know what I mean? Because if, so, if you yeah. got rid of the electoral college, all all presidents would have to do is campaign in California and New yep. York. They wouldn't yep. have to address anyone else in the country, really. I mean, I'm yeah. being a little bit exaggerating, but I mean, they were there are only a handful of states they would have to address. It would just be the population centers. Yep. Uh, but yep. really, you know, if we had it the way me and you probably, you know, I think as much as we've talked, we would both prefer just way more state power as opposed to federal power if we really had it where the federal government didn't have much power, it wouldn't matter who we elected really. It wouldn't affect our day-to-day lives if our decisions were made on the state and local level. Um, you know, but we've just got, we've given so much authority to the federal government. Um, that, I mean, it should just be, we should share. I mean, there's some fun philosophical ways you can go down towards, you know, being way more extreme than this, but um, Mm -hmm. in a practical sense, really as a United States, we should share money language and national defense. Like nothing else really should be shared among the States. You should pay most of your taxes to your state and local because they, that's where you get the most representation. You know, you should. And the most benefit. 
in right. general, you know. Right. Um, Especially when you talk about, you know, and this is a big argument they're in right now with this, the package they're trying to get through is, um, you know, a lot of the Democrats are trying to get bailouts for their bankrupt states. And mm-hmm. I think it's, it's asinine that a well-run responsible state should be bailing out, you know, states that have mismanaged their money. That's moral hazard yeah. 101. Um, yeah. But that wouldn't be a problem if the federal government didn't have the power to print money and uh, tax, heavily tax all. Like if we weren't all paying most of our taxes to the federal government and we were only paying enough to basically handle national defense, I mean, there's very little that we should be paying the federal government for. California wouldn't exist anymore? (laughs) I think it would exist, but it wouldn't be the nonsense that it is. I mean, think of – we're on California – they are literally able to drive out business on mass. Mm-hmm. It's and pretty it's almost crazy. Like how it feels almost intentional at this point. I, I said that, like, I said that last week. Yeah. Like it, like how badly they are destroying their once. I mean, like Silicon Valley is not going to exist if they don't no. stop. It is going to be, I mean, Austin is going to become the next Silicon Valley. It almost yep. pretty much it is. It is. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone, I mean, everyone that I follow like on in my business Twitter or whatever, like yeah. there, a lot of them are San Francisco. Like, I mean, they're like in the past three months, it's just going to I'm become just seeing a like, city Oh, I'm leaving people. SF. Yeah. It's just going to become a city of homeless. I mean, I don't, I, I don't, I don't, I've never been there. I've never really walked around downtown. You know, so I don't want to sit don't here want and say to. this so matter-of-factly, but everything that I've seen before shows that the homeless population is so bad there. Yeah. Um, you know, that it's, I just, yeah. So, I can't imagine why they would, you know, how you can see what you're doing and continue down that path when you realize that you already have a problem. So you continue to do these things that cause the problem in the first place. Yes. What I'm wondering is I've been trying to get in the head of the nonsense out there. It's almost, I mean, are they trying to, are they doing it intentionally to need the federal government to bail them out? Like, is it a political move of like, probably, I mean, I don't know it. Cause what I mean, just if we're going to go down this rabbit hole, what would be so the benefit is is they get bailed out by the federal government, so they don't have to pay down their own debt. I don't right. know how much debt. How much debt is California in? A lot. I don't know. Let's see. Um, California state and local debts topped one point five trillion in two thousand seventeen. So probably trillion. two. Probably two trillion. Damn near close to that. Yeah. For twenty twenty. It's crazy. Jesus. That's just insane. How do you... How do you do that? What's Texas's? What did I... Uh, um, let me see. So Texas, oh, total fiscal year state debt. Uh, oh, okay. No, that could be, yeah. 
So this is 2015, but Texas is at 48 billion. I mean, that's nothing compared to. A no, yeah, it is. It's nothing. Um, yeah, it's absolutely nothing. Wow. Um, current debt obligations as of August 2018, 18 billion. Oh no, 56 billion. Still not. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. And are we running a budget deficit or a surplus? You know, if we're servicing that debt easily, then that's not a problem. California's problem is yeah. they spend more than they make, so that debt just keeps going up and up and up. Um, yep. But what happens is, maybe let's talk about this philosophically. When a state does what California is doing, if the federal government does bail them out, and this is something that, much as I have problems with a lot of what Republican, you know, spending decisions are they need to block that because that creates so much moral hazard that tells every other state in the country that oh yeah run up your bill right we don't need to be responsible the federal government will bail us out yeah um you know so i mean california needs to figure out california you know (laughs) yeah um i mean especially i mean and it's, I mean, it is, it's a moral hazard no matter what, but I mean, especially when it's something obnoxious as that, and when you show no willingness to change the right. bad habit that created the problem. Yeah. You know, I mean, if there was like a gigantic, not, I mean, they've had national disasters, but like, I mean, a gigantic national disaster, let's just say that's, you know, swept through there and they, 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 let's just say they were in the same position as Texas, you know, right now. But let's say they had a wildfire that wiped out like, you know, 40% of the state or something. Let's just, it was literally what you would consider a natural disaster. Right. And, you know, and they just ballooned this debt out of nowhere. Then I feel like it would be a totally different conversation. I might be open to the idea of, okay, in those situations, I think it is okay for the government to help out a state. Right. But if you, on your own, exact, I mean, and then to do it in the guise of, like, goodwill. Yeah. Like, look at all these good things that we're doing for people. Right. I mean, you're destroying your your state, and it doesn't seem like you're doing that much good because people are still <laughs> really bad off. Yeah. Yeah. You know. And, um, you know, without getting too much in the weeds, there are some ways that you could structure things to be prepared for a national disaster. Like you could say to California or any, you could say to the the States, if you don't run X, if you don't have X number of emergency funds for your own emergencies, we're not going to help you out when an emergency comes. You know what I mean? Like it's like a, you, you need to have an emergency fund as an individual. States should have an emergency fund. They shouldn't be running on such a shoestring budget that they can't be prepared when an emergency comes. Um, you know, think about like World War II, you know, we didn't have all this debt and that's what we did is we issued war bonds for an emergency. Like, like people voluntarily bought these bonds from the federal government and that's how the government raised money. It wasn't through, you know, like a, an involuntary tax. So we could have those type of systems in place if we weren't already so blown out when it comes to the budget. If we actually, ran things responsibly, then if emergency did come, we could say, 
hey, we're going to issue these bonds. It'll be voluntary, you know, but you'll get a return on your investment and these funds will go to help X state, you know, in their emergency. And states can issue yeah. debt too. States have municipal bonds that they could issue in the event of an emergency. But the problem is they don't wait till an emergency to do that. They just issue debt all the time for fun, you know, yeah. like, and that's how California has a trillion dollars worth of debt. It's not like there's no way to deal with an emergency when it comes, if you're managing things, you know, yeah. responsibly, but yeah. it's, I don't know. It's just weird. It's just a weird, wacky. It bums me out, man. I love California. Yeah. I love that state, yeah. but I it's mean, a beautiful state to live in. in I know. Like the weather's always perfect. Have you looked at the wealth tax they proposed? I talked about this last week, but. Uh, okay. No. They proposed, and don't, it sounds like a small number, but listen, the income tax was originally on the 1% of the 1%, and now half yeah. of America pays an income tax. So, you know, don't, don't be fooled when they start out with, with numbers that don't affect the middle class because it always, uh, Taxes have a convenient way of trickling down. <laughs> yeah, they do. Um, it's really convenient. So what they proposed is a 0.4% wealth tax, not an income tax, a tax on your net worth. Mm -hmm. um, what I read was if you're an individual, it's if your net worth is over 15 million, if you're married, 30 million. So if you have, that's not a big net worth if you have a decent small business you know, that you've built with your life, you know, that's, it's, that sounds like a huge amount of, uh, of money in it. Look, I'll take 30 million. Don't get me wrong, but that's, we're not talking about the 1%. We're not talking about Jeff yeah. Bezos. We're talking about a guy that runs a few franchises and has some rental houses, you know yeah. I mean? So if you basically, let's say you're worth if let's say you're uh, married and your net worth is 40 million, you pay a 0.4% wealth tax on the 10 million over the 30. And that is, okay. and that is on your worth, no matter how your cash flows are like you could, yeah. you could have. So it's, 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 if you just have assets, right. That total you have to, Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. And so, so you'd have to liquidate assets to pay right. for cash flow. And that's sucks. dangerous big yeah. time. Think about a startup that is no profit. Yeah. But they get an investment from a venture capital firm that values their company at, you know, $50 million. If you, the owner, let's say you took $10 million investment and it's valued at 50. So you own the remaining 40 million. But you mm -hmm. could be making no, and this happens. Like I know there are there are entrepreneurs that literally make thirty thousand a year in income, but they have companies worth millions because yeah they got an investment in an idea and that valuation. So now you're making thirty thousand a year. Your company's I don't know. I know I'm making that number up, but you're you're not making money. You're not making that much income. Yeah. But your company is valued because you got an investment from a VC firm. Your company's valued at $50 million, where do you get the money to pay this wealth tax? And it doesn't matter if your net worth goes down, up, sideways. You could lose 
value. Like your net worth could go down. You still got to pay that tax every year. Um, which means hmm. you got to liquidate your own property. You know, that's what a business is. It's personal property. You got to liquidate yeah. that property to pay California this big. Um, and the sickest part of this, and this is, I mean, this is what I know this sounds kind of overdramatic, but this is what communist states and countries and governments try to do is they, they know that you will flee from stuff like this. Yeah. Now this is not in law. It's just proposed, but this is the direction California is going. They're proposing that this be basically extend for 10 years, even if you leave the state. Okay. Yeah. That's okay. That is, that's, I remember you telling me about that. Yep. So, so does that mean that they go back 10 years and if you would live there or is it if you live there currently and then 10 years beyond whenever you end up leaving you my understanding was both oh they are my understanding is they are reaching back on people that already left if this were to pass but definitely if you leave now you will continue for 10 years to pay that tax there is no way people will pay that And it scales down over that 10 years. I just want to make I mean, sure I'm describing it. How do you expect it. to collect on someone that doesn't even live in the oh, state? Oh, dude. No, no, no. Dude, the, the California Franchise Tax Board is the most – they're worse than the IRS. They're the most mafia. They came after me because I forgot to tell them – or I'm pretty sure I did tell them. But, dude, they – I didn't – what for whatever reason, they didn't get notification that my car left with me when I moved out of the state. And a year after I moved out of California, I woke up one morning and hundreds of dollars was removed from my bank account. No letter. Holy crap. Yeah. From the Cal- the, ta- the franchise tax board is what, the, what it's called. I mean, dude, they just sent a letter to JP Morgan Chase and, you know, a bank and said, uh, we think Blake McGee has an account with you. If so, he owes us this much money. Damn. And what, they, sweet, you had to pay to get your... I, they, they didn't know my car had left, which is crazy. Um, yeah, I didn't, I don't know if I didn't notify them, but they renewed my car registration, but I didn't pay for it. And I didn't get the letter saying I needed to pay for it because I was not living there anymore. Yeah. And so they had racked up. They thought you still needed to register. Right. And it's, it's already like, $275 to register a car there plus a year's worth of late fees though, (laughs) which holy crap. It's not about the dollar amount, even though that pissed me off. It's about the invasion of just, we can just reach into your bank account and take what we want. Yeah. And this is not the federal government. This is the state of California. So they'll get their money. They'll they'll get their money. Um, That's crazy. It's wild. Yeah. And it, and that's my, that's my point in saying that is, and I'm just a regular dude. I'm not no millionaire, billionaire. And it was yeah that hard for me to untangle from California. And I, and it did not just take one phone call to get them to fix that. And I don't remember what we, if I don't remember, te- maybe I did. I don't remember calling or saying anything because we took the Jetta with us that we had. Yeah. Um, I don't remember. I don't know. Maybe I did. I just don't recall. I don't know how it happened. I registered my car in Texas, so I thought a notification would go, but I guess you have to do something with the DMV that maybe, I don't know. Like I said, this was a year and a half ago yeah. now. 
But I mean, it was great. I woke up one morning and just saw franchise tax board negative X amount of dollars. And I like called Man, my, that's crazy. I didn't get a notice from the bank. Didn't get a notice from California. I called up and they're like, Oh yeah, we got a letter saying whatever you owed this much money, you know, you'll have to call California and deal with it. And like I said, this is not a thing that was like one phone call. And that's actually what's even scarier than, I mean, it's, it's one thing if, you know, a company can say, look, this guy, I mean, they should never be able to do that in the first place, but I feel like someone could easily fabricate a letter from them and say, Hey, this person owes us money. Here's our wires, you know, send us money from their account. And someone could easily defraud, and steal somebody's money. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how that works. I just know it happened. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. Um, now, sh- shout out to the guy that I was lucky enough to get on the phone with California. It was super helpful and super nice, um, you know, and helped me get it straightened out. And basically. Um, so did you still have to pay? I had to pay for one year because it was actually, that's mm. why it ended up being so much money is it was two years. Cause I left mm. December, I left December something. So I had to yeah. pay for that year and the renewal the next year. So I was able to get the next year renewal waived because I was like, no, I was out of the state in December. So I yeah. just had to pay for the one week that I was in California and forgot to renew that year. But it was crazy, man. I mean, just... But that's anyway, our point in that, long stories, California will get their money. Mm-hmm. Um, Man, you know, that's nuts. However, they got to do it. And yeah, it's, it's an awful state to do without getting into detail because nobody cares, but we've talked about, you know, the, the California, uh, blenders regulations out there are insane. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, it's, it's impossible for someone without money to start a brokerage like we have in California. Uh, yeah, because of the laws in place and they protect, I won't get into it. You know, it'd be fun to talk about one day cause you'd probably find it interesting, but they very much protect existing banks there. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Well, uh, cause the banks pay them a lot of money. I'm sure to protect yeah. them. Yeah. These, these regulations make it very hard for not just brokers, but if we even had a lot of money and wanted to lend to businesses in California, it is a, it's an, a headache. It ain't worth it. He's like, Oh, whatever. We'll yeah. just do business in the other 49 States. <laughs> yeah. You know, hmm. but, you know, Man. that's how those things go. Yeah. Um, Uber and Lyft sounds like they might win their. They got, uh, I read that they got a deferral that they're not going to require. They basically gave Uber and Lyft. Uh, I don't know what you call it. Uh, yeah. A temporary relief on that while they, look at their appeal but that's gonna that's be interesting to see if that passes um i think if it does pass you're gonna see a lot more people in poverty and potentially homeless um i mean it's a hundred thousand jobs that they created out there i think yeah i mean and the problem is it's such a slippery slope to even talk about because uber was never created to be a full-time job like people were not supposed to be uber it was supposed to be something to make money on the side or while you were already driving to work hey like i I was reading one of the i think it was the uber ceo or someone was talking about it he was like i made this so people could have a way to make income like when they're driving 
to their own job or something of that nature, like just to do it on the side. And but yes. then people took it and ran with it. And I don't know how you couldn't foresee this. Honestly, it makes sense. And people started doing it full time because obviously in certain places there's good money to end up doing it full time. And but that's up to those people. Now it's it's yeah it's like, but it wasn't structured. It's not supposed to be a full-time gig that gets you benefits and right. You know, it it literally is called contract work. Yeah. You know, it's it's here's the thing, California and I I mean they hate contractors. I don't know how else to say it because this same law, I don't know if you looked into it, but the same bill that they pushed through um like went it goes heavily after uh, and I just know this because I've talked to a few of them uh, after freelance writers. Oh, interesting. Um, and it basically what it says is, and I don't want to, I don't know the exact numbers, so don't hold me to, but it basically says if you're a freelancer and if you do a certain number of articles for a specific publication each year, they have to hire you as an employee. You can't be a freelancer. Hmm. And that's supposed to be like, oh, we're protecting you. We want you to be an employee, you know, have a full time job. That's, that's an assault on freelancers. Like if you're a freelancer, you're a freelancer for a purpose. You like the freedom. You like the decision to write when you want to write for who you want to write for. And, um, it's always, I, you know, one thing it always goes back to the healthcare debate every time. And it's like, that's just a tool. That's a tool. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so frustrating because I mean, yeah, you're exactly right. It's like people are, creating a problem that never really should have existed or existed in the first place. Right. But what, what, what this does is when you look into it, it, I mean, I don't know how, I don't know how else to look at. It. I just think California, they either, they have big, I mean, I, I this is, a, this is not a big reach. They, they have to have these big corporations pushing these things because Think about it. It's only major media companies that can afford to hire a bunch of big employees. You know, there are these small, yeah. these small publications. Think about it: online publications, online news, you know, newsletters and blogs. They're the ones that hire freelancers the most. So yeah. it runs all these small publications out of the marketplace, and it leaves major companies that can actually afford to hire the employees or the writers as employees full time. And I talked to this one freelancer on, it was on Twitter and they were trying to figure out, I mean, think about this. You, you've lived in California your whole life. You're a freelance writer. You write for several publications, but now this law is going to force you to take a full-time job if you can find one because, you know, if they'll actually hire you full-time. So they were trying to figure out, do I need to start an LLC in another state so I can write through my LLC and it be a company to company thing instead of me just being a free, like you're adding all this burden to a freelancer yeah. that just wants to write. <laughs> yeah. You know, and yeah. that's the Man, same that's thing. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. It's the same. It's the same. My understanding is it's the same bill. They're just trying to force it on Uber and Lyft. And are, are Uber and Lyft are the big, t- I mean, is it every freelancer, no matter what the industry is is it just freelancers in general or contract work in general? Because it's con- and Uber and Lyft are just the front runners because they are the biggest contract hirers right. in the state. It, there um, are some exceptions to it. Um, for example, 
and this scares me because I don't like the direction this goes right now. The, there's some exception with like commission workers, but think about like my whole life I've worked contract. I mean, I've had some W2 jobs too, but I've, I've always had a contract job, you know, like when I was selling insurance, that was a contract mm -hmm. position that I liked. I liked being contract. I was my own boss. I didn't, you know, but people, these, these people can't, and it's because they're government people, they're, you know, politicians know nothing about entrepreneurship. They can't fathom that someone might actually like a contract position because they want the flexibility. They want to have the opportunity to work for themselves. Yeah. And, you know, so they, you know, they think that it's kind of that pet peeve where I always say that politicians, especially they only look at one effect of their decisions. They don't look at second and third order effects. So they think, Oh, the effect of me pushing this law through is all these people will be employees and get benefits. Now that's just one level of what you're trying to look at. What's the second and third effect? Well, the second effect is uh, that destroys, uh, you know, the, um, what am I trying to say that that eats into the cost for Uber and for like Uber has a couple of just choices here. If they actually had either you get out of the state or you do mm -hmm. hire people full time, but if you hire people full time, that means, um, that means you're going to have to pay overtime. You're going to have to pay health benefits. Yep. It's not like, like companies they will leave don't the just, state. they will not stay there. Right. But I mean, I'm, but, but for the sake of the, the thought experiment, that means you have to raise prices. So consumers yep. actually end up taking a lot of the, they're going to end up and, and it only a 10, 20% of the people that currently do Uber will be able to continue doing Uber. Right. So most people are going to end up losing their primary source of income. Cause I think they literally said it's something like a hundred thousand people yeah. in the state of California do it almost full-time to an extent. Yeah. Um, but what politicians think is they think, Oh, I can create a hundred thousand full-time jobs yeah. with this bill. Because then I can all of a sudden make Uber look like the boogeyman if they leave. Right. Yeah. It's like, it doesn't matter that I am the one that forced this problem that will actually decrease jobs. Yeah. It's Ooh, look, Uber's this evil corporation that doesn't want to hire a hundred thousand full-time people now, which yeah. is the most ridiculous statement. Yeah. Especially considering they have no revenues. They've never turned a revenue. Well, they got revenue, no profit. Or excuse me. Yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah. They've never turned a profit. So it's like, how yeah. can you legitimately expect them to? <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. I mean, so consumers would pay higher prices. Higher prices means less demand, right? Supply and demand. So there will be mm -hmm. fewer rides, which means fewer jobs. Like you said, yep. you know, yep. Um, oh, it's a mess. It is a disaster. One, one other thing I thought we'd talk about is the fun, uh, national debt. Can you look up our total national debt right now? And I thought while you do that, George Gammon posted this the other day in 2020, the U S will in one year. Uh, so it is up to, uh, Hundred thousand million, uh, one hundred and thirty-three trillion is what. That's not. That can't be right. That must include un, un, uh, 
Well, yeah, I think it's unfunded like unfunded liabilities that aren't actually yeah, unfunded in the debt. Social Security and Medicare promises yeah. based on what's just our debt. Just look up U.S. debt, uh, national one, it's debt. It's twenty six trillion. Trillion. Okay. So, just this year, we will add four trillion, <laughs> mm. which is as much as we added between seventeen seventy six, yeah, two thousand. So. Yep. We will add as much debt this year as we did for 224 years since the birth of our country. Um, to be fair, I, thought, I feel like that's, I mean, I, in, in principle, and obviously it's, it's technically the truth, I feel like that's, the, the government obviously wasn't the same size, the population obviously wasn't the same size, the state obviously wasn't the same size. Well, you're naming like, all the problems. Well, that's, that's, I know that's what I'm saying. So like, I don't feel like it's a fair comparison to say, oh yeah, from since the birth of the country to now we've never, or till like 2000, I don't know, whatever you, I forgot what the ending year was that you stated, you know, we've never spent and it's, I don't know. It's, you're puzzling me here. Cause you're naming all the problems. Well, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, but because I'm saying the size of the government. Yeah. <laughs> I guess because yeah i mean that yeah that i i mean then i guess we're both saying the same thing that we agree i just don't know if it's a fair compare because there would never be an instance in like 1776 or any time frame like where they would have ever needed that amount of money would not have existed or and i'm gonna backtrack that because that <laughs> money didn't exist now but Right. You know, like, I mean, it was not a fathomable, fathomable amount up until any time. Right. Like, like I, I, I don't, I don't know how to. No, what you're saying is right. What I'm trying to say is like, it's, I mean, I get that it is technically the truth, but I don't feel like compared to history. I don't feel like it's a number that you should compare to history. I feel like it should just be a number that stands on its own. Like you shouldn't try and compare it to, oh yeah, between the inception of the country and now we've never added that much debt. And it's like, I mean, okay, they were think adding about maybe thousands of dollars to the debt right. in the so early 1800s <laughs> because that was still probably a large amount. Right. But you're naming the problem here and you're not even like, you're like, I think, yeah. <laughs> you are literally describing the problem, which is fiat money that becomes worthless over time. Well, yes, but I'm, but I'm, but I mean, I'm not arguing that fact. I'm just arguing that I don't think it is fair to compare it to anything that far back because you can't say there is no chance for us to ever print that much money. Right. Between but that's the problem is what I'm saying because we've devalued the currency so much. Yeah. that we can even talk about trillions now is yeah. insane, but I yeah. get what you're saying. Yeah. And I feel, I guess my argument is that I feel like, I feel like it's almost like a clickbaity tweet or way to word what you're trying to say. Like it, like you shouldn't, like you, you should, the statement should just be, we added $4 trillion to the debt and that should be dramatic enough and not, not try and like compare it to, something from so far back that that has I think no I, base i think i understand what you're saying but i think it's valuable to see how much we've destroyed 
But even if we haven't just, I don't know. Because I feel like we would have still. It's valuable to see how much we've destroyed the currency. Well, I. <laughs> like what I'm trying to, even if we hadn't destroyed the dollar bill as much as we had, I feel like our debt would still continue to increase just because the government would continue to increase in size as our population grows, as we accumulated more states over, um, over the period of how, how 200 years, almost 200 years that we've been, no, yeah, almost 200 years that we've been a country like, you know, it, that is also a contributing factor that you can't just state this as a blanket statement. Yeah. And say like, like it is going to naturally increase and naturally be tiny at inception. While yeah, I do okay. agree I that the four, four trillion is exorbitant and unprecedented, you know, when, when we only had, what was it? Six States in 1776, you know, it's, it's like, well, yeah, obviously <laughs> it's, it's a, yeah disgusting number compared to the inception of the country you know right. and, and that's what i'm trying to get at is i get your point like like it's not the number should stand on itself you should not try and compare it to because if, if in 1776 we had 50 states with you know with uh with what is the current united states population a, a billion people you know, have a billion people. We were we only like spending. Three. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> three, whatever. People. You know, we, we don't million. have. We don't have historic. What I guess here we go. Here's what I'm trying to say. We don't have historical data that shows what our numbers would look like if we had not destroyed the country. He is comparing it to data before we destroyed the country. So it's like, what are we? I, I get that you're trying to show how much we've destroyed the country, but I don't think it's a fair comparison to compare it to numbers that were before it was destroyed and the extra layer of everything being so much smaller in scale. Because I think I, you meant to show, say destroy the currency, right? Is that what destroy you're the currency. That's what I meant yeah. to say. Like show me, show me the numbers of, okay, if they had done the same damage to the, to the U S dollar between that time frame, or in, in a smaller and, Maybe, maybe this isn't a good way to go about it like I thought it was going to be. But I, I just feel like there's so much – like you can't just state that and make it sound so easy because it's so much more complicated than that. Well, well I do agree that the dollar has been destroyed. It is so much yeah. more complicated than just, oh, between the past 150 years and now, we only spent this much, but then we spent $4 trillion this year. And it's, it's like – I don't know. I just feel like it's a cop-out of a – Okay. To make, cause I don't, I get, I get what you're saying. I do get what you're saying. And I may, and, and, but even, was, even I, if I we would have, I think George Gammon is a genius and I think he is right. I just don't agree with the way that he stated the argument. That's fair. So it's, I get, yeah, definitely understand what you're saying, but even, even if the, we can, let's just say we did continue to grow, meaning the debt grew. If yeah. it weren't for the ability, if it weren't for unpinning the dollar from gold and re and being able to print, we, we could have never hit trillions. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Even if, because of, you can't, you can't keep going into debt if you can't print. 
eventually yep. you have to reckon with the debt, but we've never had to reckon with the debt because we just print. And, you know, if you look at the, the cost of, uh, the dollar to gold, you know, when it was pinned versus now the dollar has lost 95% of its value. Yeah. Um, so I was going somewhere with that. We do got to wrap it up a little bit or pretty soon I have a meeting coming up, but this guy, okay. Sorry. How much time you got? Not to, I didn't mean to cut you off and I, you know, I hate you. It's just, you're okay. Yeah. <laughs> how much time you got? Uh, I probably like five, 10 minutes. Okay, cool. So he posted that and someone asked, um, or I retweeted that. So they asked me mm -hmm. and him, I don't know, whatever. Anyway, someone said, uh, can anyone tell me exactly who is lending this money out? If all oh, I feel these, like you sent that to me, didn't you? I put it in the uh, in the podcast folder, so yeah. you may have read it. But if all the countries owe this much money and they're not paying it back, um, and the debt just grows every year, who is the person or bank who has so much money that they can keep lending it out? And so I just thought it'd be useful, you know, because people don't really, you know, the average person doesn't think about why is the government even able to keep going into debt? You know, who is lending the money to them? And, um, you know, it's foreign governments, it's, we'll get to the fed. The fed, you know, has been monetizing a lot of our debt because there's not a big demand anymore. But if you own a 401k, uh, if you have a pension plan, um, there, those are all like, you know, buyers of us debt, um, because they're considered safe even though inflation destroys their value and you know, you're getting a guaranteed return, but you're getting a guaranteed loss on them. But people, people, a lot of people are Dude. lenders to the U S government without knowing it. You have a 401k at your work. You probably have U S bonds in that you're, I'm not blaming people, but they don't even realize like who's, who's lending U S government money. You, mm -hmm. you know, you might not be directly buying the treasury from auction, but you, your mutual fund probably has U.S. debt in it, and you're a lender to the U.S. government, and you don't realize it. And that's yeah. spread that out over all the world. Every country that has anything that's like a 401k or investment funds, you know, those are those are who is buying our debt. And mm -hmm. and I'll, I'll be quick here. Um, so what I said was. Um, Oh, and then they said, they said, question number two, who would just keep lending these countries more money when they're not paying it off? If I went to a bank and borrowed a billion dollars, then never paid any back, but just kept going annually for another billion, they wouldn't keep lending me money. So he was asking who, who has done the lending and who would continue doing it? And so this was my answer. Mm -hmm. I just thought it was interesting to talk about. I said, I think we're seeing central banks take up more of the debt buying because the market is losing its appetite. Psychologically, though, if markets see that the central bank will backstop them, they'll also continue buying more than they would otherwise. So what happened in April and or in March and April when the crisis really hit? Um, I can't remember the exact number. Shoot. Let's see. Um, let's see if I can find it. I don't know. 
it's it's like hundreds of billions. Okay, let's just say that. Mm-hmm. In March and April, this is crazy. The entire amount of new debt that was issued by our government in March and April, all of it, 100%, was bought by the Federal Reserve. No country oh. lended us the money. No individuals oh. lended us the money. Billions and billions of dollars was bought by the Fed, which just printed the money to buy it. So my point in saying that is he was right in his, in his questioning of who in the world would keep lending us money. They're not, and they are to a degree. There are people that still buy treasuries, but it's much decreased uh, appetite by other countries and by other buyers. So the fed is forced to come in and take that debt because people don't want it and to keep interest rates low. In order to keep interest rates low, you know, they need their needs. Think about supply and demand. The more people buy our debt, the less, the lower interest rates will stay because we don't have to appease buyers with higher rates, right? If, if no one wants our debt, we have to raise rates and say, okay, we'll pay you 4% to buy our debt, but we can't afford 4%. It will bankrupt our country. So in order to keep rates low, because we don't have enough buyers in the marketplace, the Fed will come in and they're the ones that are taking up the slack to keep rates at a manageable position, which is extremely dangerous because that is what creates all the added money supply because they don't have money to buy this with. They literally Mm -hmm. create it out of thin air. They put the money into our system and they take the debt on their balance sheets. But I couldn't believe you know, I knew that, that, um, that was happening, that trend, but I did, I had no idea until I started digging into it this week that in March and April in the hardest part of the crisis, no one bought our excess debt. The fed had to do it. Um, and that is scary because, uh, eventually you get to a place where no one's buying any more of our new debt and the fed is monetizing everything. And that's the time bomb that we're playing with. Um, you know, which is wild. Yep. Um, so that was pretty much it. I just thought that was, that was really, really interesting. Um, yeah, no, that is really, I love that you're like playing the Twitter game and killing it, with, <laughs> you know, talking to people and, um, having conversations and yeah, it's, it's yeah. fun. You know, I've had some good conversations and some conversations with morons, but Mostly well, good. I mean, that's always <laughs> the case. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, just the response with that Ian Hirschfield guy. Yeah. Seemed like a quality conversation. Yeah, um, that's um, – he kind of – I think that he was trying to say something I wasn't saying, but I ended up kind of showing – you know, he understood and we were on the same page. He pretty much agreed with it. He was saying yeah. there was more appetite for our debt – um, but I don't think he understood what I was saying is there's the appetite is the fed without the fed. There's not yeah. an appetite, you know? Yeah. Uh, and yeah, we're in big trouble when no one wants to lend us money anymore because we don't again, and I'll wrap it up with this. We don't produce anything in this country. We borrow no, no, we and don't. buy we other just, people's stuff. Yeah. We consume, right. We borrow to consume. Yeah. And when no one else wants to lend us money, where are we going to get the money to consume? And some people, modern monetary theory says we can just print the money forever, but eventually people don't want your dollars either. Not only do they not want to lend Mm -hmm. you money, but they don't want your dollars because they're trash. And then there is no consumption. (laughs) 
So that's the uh, that's the end game that I'm most worried about. And I always thought they said super wealthy, you know, using hundred dollar bills as toilet paper was a joke. I didn't realize that was going to be me in the next ten years. <laughs> Go study Weimar Germany and uh, or Weimar Republic, which was yeah. in Germany, and see what happened to their currency. We're not on a good path. Venezuela is another good case study for people to look at. So that's it. This has been the weekly anchor. Ryan's got to get to a meeting. I got to try to make some money myself. None of this was investment trading, tax, legal advice. Consult with your professionals. Don't listen to us, and we're yep. out.